0: I'm Renee. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, there were two badass women who thought mom brain was complete BS. Then they had babies, became besties, and decided to start a podcast to talk about how they were totally wrong. Welcome to Blame It On Mom Brain. Welcome back, everyone, to Blame It On Mom Brain. This is Amanda. And this is Jodine. We have
1: someone really exciting joining us today, and her name is Renee Rina, Renee is an academic turned podcaster and content creator. She is stirring shit up in the mom community by being honest about the realities of mom life. She is a doctor of psychology, a writer, podcaster, wife, and a very busy mom to her son, Milo. Renee is passionate about unveiling the truth of parenthood. On her podcast, The Mom Room, she discusses many topics, including mom guilt, default parenting, setting boundaries, and even sex after baby. She has been a huge inspiration for us on our podcast journey and part of the reason why we started it in the first place. We are so thankful to have her join us here today. Welcome, Renee. Thank you for being here. How are you? <laughs> Thanks,
2: guys. First of all, like as you're reading that, I'm like... Um, can I hire you to write the introductions for my podcast? Because I'm literally like, okay, today we're talking to this person. Uh, find them on Instagram here. So <laughs> welcome them to the mom room. This is that was amazing. So professional. But yeah, well, thank you for having me. You
1: are officially our very first interview.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, I would have know. never known. It was such a big deal for us. You know, we, we thought we would, like Jodine said, it's one of the biggest reasons we even started this podcast and um, was discovering you and exactly everything we just said, like your willingness to touch on like taboo shit that you're not supposed to say as a mother that you made us feel really comfortable thinking. And it was a big deal for us when over the holidays, we were like, you know, I think we're ready. I think we're ready to start talking to other people, <laughs> to other the people about um, motherhood and the wild ride it can be, and so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna be cheeky. If I, if it happens, it happens. If she responds, <laughs> great. or she doesn't, she doesn't. And then you replied, and I remember that morning, I'm sweating. I'm like, Jodi. <laughs> she replied. She replied to us she's like, holy shit. I don't anyway. know who screenshoted who. We was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And to the point that like our. Our partners know exactly who you are. Like we um shared your episodes with them as well. And so both of both Neil, who is partnered with Jodine and Will, who's my partner, were like, Oh, oh, this is a big fucking deal. Like we have oh we god. have the big guests. I was like, I know he he got me the water, the coffee, like everything is sitting here. He has the kid. I'm like, take him, take him. I don't want to look at him. Like, right now we're really busy. We're on this oh podcast. Oh my god. Yeah. I so. love that.
2: It's so funny because like <laughs> obviously I podcast and I go through the same feelings a lot of the time, but it's weird that other people have Mm. that feeling when you're coming on the podcast because you're like, it's just... Me, so like that's
1: so crazy. Yeah. Well congratulations, you are now that person. You are now that person.
0: (laughs) But me. It has it has cut like I'm Jodine gave like the the whole lowdown, you know. She just I mean, they're all the accolades, the things you do, like all that is really great. But I always really love to start to think about those things after I know who you are. Like how did this even begin for you? So why not share in case our listeners don't know who you are, even though we've already raved about you on the podcast. Um, just let them know, like where what's your name? Where are you from? Like how did you um yes. you know, how did the motherhood journey, you know, begin for you? And and we'll take it from there. Okay. So I never like five years
2: ago, if you were like, Oh, you're gonna have a podcast, I would have been like, You're crazy. Yeah. Um I, yeah, as you said, I have a PhD in psychology. So I finished my PhD about three days before they shut down like Canada. Oh, God. So it was really weird because I was anticipating like finishing school and then getting a research position somewhere. But obviously that wasn't possible because nobody was exactly hiring during quarantine. So because my husband's a physician, I stayed home with Milo and decided to put, like, I had downloaded TikTok, I think in January of 2020. Okay. And I was just kind of like playing around with it. I didn't really know how to use it very well. Like, it was terrible. But then in quarantine, I was like, oh, I'm going to start like making more content on TikTok. I had already like, I had a mom blog where I was just kind of writing for family and friends and posting on Instagram. I didn't really have a big following on Instagram at the time, but just writing things about motherhood that literally from day one, I was surprised about, um, and got lots of positive feedback just from the small following I had on Instagram. So when I started doing TikTok in quarantine, I just kind of brought all those topics back and would expand on them. And then obviously talk about the struggles of being in quarantine with a young child, um, Yeah. And then that kind of blew up in quarantine. And I was like, I would love to have conversations with professionals and other moms about these topics, because as you know, on TikTok, it's like 15, 30, 60 second videos. And then you get all these comments and you're like, oh, I want to address all the things that people are saying in the comments, or like share people's stories, or whatever, but you don't have time really to do that on TikTok. So I was like, ah, I'll start a podcast. So I ordered my stupid microphone. This <laughs> literal, <laughs> like this microphone that I'm using, I ordered from Amazon. It was like sixty five dollars.
1: Amazing.
2: Started recording podcast episodes in my closet and would literally like just talk to other people that I followed on TikTok. Um, yeah. And it just kind of grew from there and have put out two
0: episodes a week since July of 2020. That's amazing. That's a lot of, yeah, that sounds like a whirlwind. <laughs> You're like, hold on the whole, I just, uh, first of all, the effort to graduate three days before the planet basically shuts down, um, None of it is kind of going the way that you thought. And then all of a sudden, social media becomes this thing. I, You know, when you said I had downloaded TikTok, but I never used it, I'm like, it's the same thing. I feel like quarantine kicked in and I was like, what's TikTok? Let's just have a look, yeah. you know? Um, everyone kind of got a little bit curious and um, some people really did something with it. And it sounds like you did, you know, like you made the effort to say like... Uh, I'm here with my kid didn't necessarily anticipate this happening. But here we are. And here's how it feels. And this is what quarantine with your kid feels like. And it obviously just goes to show that people were feeling that but what I love is that, you know, you started interviewing people and going beyond just, it's not in there's challenges during quarantine and into, it's just the challenges. It's just mm-hmm. the challenges of motherhood, right? Like it's not even just it's because this time is really strange and all of us don't know what's going on, although that's true. You took it like a step further and really made it relatable beyond a, like a global crisis that we were all experiencing as a collective, which is really awesome because that just goes to show that was happening before. that was This was all feelings yeah. that were happening before. Um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I think that, you know, being able to turn in, sort of lemons into lemonade it's it's what it sounds like you were connecting with a lot of people professionals and just moms alike who are agreeing with how you felt
1: yeah isn't yeah. it funny how even though like postpartum is like so difficult and overwhelming we're like let's just pile some more stuff on our plate
0: yeah what, what, what's <laughs> what wrong else can with we us? shove on top of this
1: yeah. yeah like how can we make this more difficult and fill our like our, Sch- our schedule just so tight yeah. yeah just yeah let's just do that <laughs> You know know. what I think it
0: is too, is it's, it's like you said, where you're like, I bought this $65 mic, I'd hold myself up in the closet and I did something for myself. I recorded this podcast. I was willing to take that time alone in my closet to just take a few minutes where I'm not talking to a baby or a toddler and, um, I'm, I'm feeling empowered in this decision, like that's, I think why, you know, anyway, I think that's why Jodine and I are like, what other things can we throw into the mix of this? Um, (laughs) well then let's talk a little bit about your, your partner too, because a lot of your like relationship dynamic is how even some of the, the things you address come up, which is, you know, how was it, was it always in the plan? Like would he always, was he always meant to be working Were you also meant to, was there like daycare or babysitting and that didn't happen? Like how did, um, the relationship develop with quarantine and beyond basically? So we, like
2: I was in school, I had, I took the full 12 month maternity leave from yeah. my PhD program, mm. but it was always um, like known that Milo would go to daycare once my 12 month maternity leave was over. So he okay. did that. He was in daycare while I was finishing up school And then as soon as I finished school, it was quarantine. So the the plan was for me to look for a job, like a regular nine to five kind of job. I don't know how I thought that was going to happen because we live like 45 minutes outside of downtown Toronto. And Mm -hmm. that's where all the job opportunities are, especially for what I would be doing. But like when you don't have a child and you're not like... Going through the day-to-day life, you don't understand how, like, that's not really, like, realistic mm-hmm. to, my husband's a physician, he obviously can't, like, he doesn't have a flexible job. How did I think that I was going to commute in traffic, like, downtown Toronto, work, and then, like, commute back home? Like, I, it all worked out for the best in the end, because um, now, obviously, I work from home. But yeah, that was always the plan. And a lot of my content revolves around how I felt in quarantine, Mm. which is how a lot of stay-at-home moms feel. Period. Like, yes, there was the added layer of we couldn't go to swimming lessons and we couldn't go to the mall and have visitors. And that's a layer added onto it. But like... At the core of that situation, like that is the experience of many stay-at-home moms who have a partner that works outside the home and is like the breadwinner and, you know, their job comes first. And, and I was just like shook to my core of like, this is so hard for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's not like also a lot of my content revolves around like really nuanced situations with my husband and I things that like, you know, like not making the pancakes on Saturday morning. Like that's such a stupid example, but it it so highlights these like really everyday kind of things that stay at home moms probably feel and go through and like it builds resentment and they don't know why they're irritated. And like, so a lot of my content revolves around how I felt in quarantine then I put it out and people are like, you're not even a stay at home mom. Like your, your kid goes to school. What are you talking about? And it's like, I'm just talking like on behalf of stay at home moms, because I understand these situations and how it can make you feel. Sure. So I like to pick them apart and be like, this is why someone might be irritated that their husband's making pancakes
1: on Saturday.
0: You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're shedding how did, light. You're how shedding does your light. partner
1: feel about your conversations? He, the thing is, is like
2: people, okay, I host a podcast, like I'm very like animated and like, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking in like an entertaining like way. People assume that when I'm like recounting how I felt in a situation with my husband, they're assuming that I am using this same, um, like energy and you know, when we're in that moment when really it's not like that at all. Yeah. (laughs) For the most part, like if I'm irritated or something's bothering me, I like do the opposite. I like look inward and I'm like, okay, why am I feeling irritated right now? Like what is going on? And then we can have a conversation once I've figured it out. Because a lot of the times it's not that it's something that's his fault. It's just the situation. Yeah. So it's just like understanding why I feel this way and then bringing that to him And, like, we can have that conversation. He's very receptive. And usually he's, like, surprised. He's like, wait, so on Saturday morning you don't want me to make breakfast or, like, start doing the laundry. And I'm like, no. Like, newsflash. Because, yeah, obviously on paper that sounds great. And, like, you know, to all the husbands out there, I'm sure they're like, I am an amazing partner. Like, look at me on Saturday morning. But no, like – in that moment, maybe that's not what your partner needs and wants because they've been home with the kids all week.
0: Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah. So he he like thinks it's hilarious. Like the yeah. feedback that I get from mostly men and like you know women who
0: don't get it. Know,
2: yeah. Are yeah living yeah. under the patriarchy? Like he he thinks it's funny and it's just entertaining and it's kind of like an ongoing joke in our house about like people think I'm this terrible person and like I'm so toxic and like oh my god like somebody save Renee's husband like this poor man like (laughs) you know and I'm like oh my god it's actually the exact opposite like I'm able to communicate And like, I'm very self-aware and I don't let things get to the point where I'm like resenting him or like it builds into like a big fight. It's like, let's just address it. And yeah, it sounds stupid that
1: I don't want you to make pancakes on Saturday morning, but like, that's how I feel. But you're thinking out loud and you're actually voicing it, which is the problem with so many people is they just hold it inside, never say what's wrong. And then... You know what yeah. happens then.
2: So, or what happens is people don't even understand. So mm-hmm. many times when I talk about these really like everyday kind of situations, like how I used to be grumpy when he would come home from work in quarantine, and I'm like, why am I grumpy? Mm. I've been waiting for him to get home all day and I've been so excited for him to get home. So, why, when he walks in the door, am I all of a sudden irritated? And like, I will explain why I feel that way. And then I get so many messages from women who are like, oh my God, I've never understood like why I'm so irritated when my husband comes home from work, but you explaining it in your situation, like opens my eyes to why I feel that way. So what happens is a lot of the times people have these negative feelings and they don't sit and think about why they're feeling that way. And then they just like build resentment, build resentment. And now instead of like looking inward, their partner comes home and they're like giving them attitude or like, you know, giving them the silent treatment. And instead of just like addressing it head on.
0: And recognizing yeah. it. Yeah. I, I love, that was actually going to be one of my next questions um, was what was the online reception to this decision to talking about all this stuff that I love how you said it. People living under the patriarchy are just looking at you like you're bananas. Like I've read some of the comments I've, I've grabbed the popcorn. I've loved your responses. Like it has been so fascinating to see how some people perceive what I thought Jodine and I thought was pretty like common sense and common knowledge and completely relatable about the pancakes, about, um, you know, just talking to your spouse about what you you don't want done, even though it looks really good on paper and why you feel that way. We we were just like, well, yeah. But then some people in the comments are like, not so much. And it just you makes suck. my mind, yeah, my <laughs> mind does, doesn't co- comprehend that. Um, but I know that it can't be easy, like kind of like we were just saying, like how much more shit can we shovel onto the pile of what we already have to do? And I know that fielding those comments in such a creative and Matter of fact way actually gives you more content. It actually allows you to share more shit that people are are overwhelmingly either saying in the comments or or going against in the comments. So what has it been like when like coming into this? I, I know it's not easy. I I work in an, in the online space. I have been working online in a, for almost ten years now, and you know some people are just gonna you know not approve of what you're sharing or just have something negative to say about it, but. I love how you navigate that. So what did it feel like maybe at the beginning as you started doing this in a really weird sensitive kind of sticky time and and going into it now?
2: I I always wonder why I get the comments that are like don't even bother, like don't even give them the time of day, like mm. you don't have to explain yourself and it's like I'm not I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it because there's a ton of women who are looking at those comments and who maybe believe those comments to some extent themselves because that's just how they were raised and they're married probably to the kinds of people who leave those comments. Do you know what I mean? So when I get those comments, it's almost like I want to break it down and give my response so that other people can see like how somebody else would view this. Yeah. Like how, how else can I look at this comment or this situation whatever they're talking about and yeah it is it is more content like I have so many I always whenever I see comments I like go to video reply and I just save them in drafts mm-hmm. I have so many it's unbelievable <laughs> but I only have so much time I'm trying to dedicate more time this year to creating content because I kind of just like do it here and there I have to kind of take it more seriously but yeah it's like I'm not surprised that people leave those comments but at the end of the day like it doesn't really affect me it's like have you ever seen that TikTok where the guy was like if somebody comes up to you and they're like oh your hair is so stupid like how could you have blue hair but your hair is blonde and you're like what
0: like yeah yeah you're like (laughs) how
2: How can you, so like, if you truly are confident and you believe in like the message that you're putting out, like, you know, you're an amazing mom, an amazing partner. Like my husband and I get along great. We're like best friends. And so to have like Joe Blow in Alabama, tell me that like, I'm a terrible person and my husband's going to divorce me. It's like him saying like, why is your hair blue? Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. Like out I'm of just this like, world. yeah. Like, I don't
1: care about what they're saying. Motherhood is so filled with so much unsolicited advice anyways. And then being on, you know, social media, the public space really just amplifies it tenfold. Because mm-hmm. um, it's pretty crazy to me when I'm out in public and how many open questions I get. Like, I just met you. I don't even know you. We just said, hi, cute baby. Uh, so are you still breastfeeding? <laughs> like, What? Um, you want to know about my (laughs) breath it's so weird it's so weird to
0: me yeah
1: like people like and and i know you've talked about this on your podcast too how many kids are you gonna have me and amanda are very much in that mind space right now very undecided still don't know what the hell we're gonna do about that or how to get to that answer um and people always ask me so when are you having your next one and i'm like how old are your kids
0: They're two weeks apart. They're two weeks apart. They both just turned 14 months old. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're our first. We have just been in the complete throes of like the aftermath of postpartum life. Um, We met in our online birthing class, which was online because of COVID, and we couldn't attend in person. And so we were just on the Zoom Brady Bunch with uh, uh, our partners and a couple of other parents. And... Um, we went through uh, this hypnobirthing course and learning a lot about breath work and your mindset and all that going into baby. And, um, you know, we had like a WhatsApp chat thread that our our instructor was keeping in tabs with us and helping us introduce ourselves to each other. And Jodine and I found out that we lived like a five-minute walk apart. And so, you know, I was looking at that thread and the course was winding down. It was a six-week class. Um, and I, I looked at my partner and I was like, it'd be such a shame, like, I was living in Vancouver at the time, and I was saying, you know, I'm not from here. It'd be really cool if I could actually make connections with other people, not not even other people, other mothers, because I'm about to start a journey. I have no fucking idea what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't suck to know people, like, off the internet who are going through this. Um, and so I set up a coffee date for myself and a couple of the other moms, and Jodine was the first person to arrive because we both walked at the location I picked And um, we've never stopped talking since. And it was even more connective for us because we were the only two people in the class who ended up having C-sections. Mine was an emergency C-section and Jodine's was planned due to a breach um, baby. Um, So um, I have a son and his name is Romeo and um, we're at the 14-month mark just now. Yeah.
1: Wow. I have a girl and her name is Creed.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Such a... Yeah, so I think when I was in quarantine with Milo, he was like 18 months. Okay. So like they're crawling or are they walking? We're walking. Oh, we're we're oh, running. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like this I feel like this is like the the really difficult stage or at least it was for me where they're like just learning to be independent and you have to watch them so closely otherwise they're going to get hurt and it's like
0: Yes. Once they're
2: like three and a half to four, like Milo's four and a bit now, it's like a different world. Like
0: Does it improve? Like is it a better
2: world? (laughs) For me, like some people love certain stages and like for me, I really loved the newborn stage up until he like started crawling and putting everything in his mouth. Like then I was like, from that moment until like three and a half, four. That stretch was difficult for me. Now it's like getting so much better. Like he's independent. He can like verbalize things to you. You're not constantly like trying to guess what's going on. Yeah. Um, like obviously there's other challenges, um, like attitude and whatnot. <laughs> sass. He's, it is funny. I am, <laughs> I am
1: so opposite to to you. And really? Yeah. So like my daughter sucked. In the beginning. <laughs> In the newborn.
0: Milo was so chill.
1: Like
2: oh. he was just on his boppy like this. Like, oh, amazing. Oh my
0: God. <laughs> You're like, I could do this shit all day. Like I could yeah. be a parent 10 times over.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, the newborn stage is part of the fear of me having a second child because it was just so awful. Like she, she was on the verge of colic. I was, I had oversupply of breastfeeding. I, she, I was making her puke because I was overfilling her stomach, but they kept telling me I had to feed her and blah, 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 blah. It was just a nightmare. I had a lot of it was my own problems. I had mastitis. I had every boob problem that you can name. I had it, um, and it seems like, oh my god! But you have so much milk to feed your baby. But it's like, no, actually, I'm suffering. Yeah. So it's not just undersupply that that bothers people. So I try to voice that oversupply is also really shitty. And actually, I was drowning my child in milk. So <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't. It's not you know black and white. But I remember at six months. Saying out loud like oh my god I'm actually starting to enjoy my baby and enjoy this experience so it's like so backwards to me and now she's 14 months she's going and I'm like hey come over here and do the laundry with me and she's like yeah Yeah, and I'm like this is so easy there's no puke (laughs) so it just goes to show how all of our experiences are so vastly different different. and
0: as we don't talk about it then it's not normalized right so a hundred percent. And I, I think that w- would lead us to another question that we have, which is how has motherhood felt for you? Like, I guess we just got a glimpse into the fact that you find it really gets easier as Milo can verbalize and communicate and, um, you know, has sass to provide now, but maybe it was, uh, it's welcomed in comparison to the, the stuff in mouth and crawling. But like, what did it feel like for you as a first time mom straight out the gate? Like you've already voiced having like like the the feeling of having people over when baby is born and um having to navigate learning this new normal and and you know what that felt like as someone who went from zero kids to one like and then does that lead you to two possibly or more like how did that feel how has mo- becoming a mother felt for you okay
2: i have a theory on this which like it's probably only applicable to me but a theory <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> I had Milo when I was 34, Mm -hmm. so I was in university forever, like 10 plus years, like that was just grad school, 10 years. Yeah, like crazy. So I was living on my own in a city like away from my family, had all my friends, I was doing yoga, I was doing CrossFit, like going out, like made my own schedule, like being in grad school is very, you have your classes, but you work independently. You work from home, kind of like what I do now, which I love, like just in my fucking velour suit, like working at home. <laughs> you look that's very like expensive. School. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kim Kardashian. This is very lovely. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I feel like it was such a transition for me because I lived that life for so long like being independent on my own like I had muffin my brown dog for a few of those years and that was like he was my baby like 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 such my baby now nobody talks enough about like how having pets and then having a baby is like a huge transition either but anyways I I feel that I have two pets too
1: yeah. Oh my God. It's but I will say one positive thing. I think my kid's better at sharing because of them. Yeah. Because be. she loves to feed them. Yeah. And now she tries to feed other children and give them things. <laughs> and the only thing that I can say is maybe it's because she feeds my dog and my cat so much <laughs> yeah. and it's rewarding. But anyway. She's
2: like, <laughs> she's like petting other kids.
1: like, <laughs> like you could be my pet.
2: Grabbing your yeah. tail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that was the biggest struggle. Like like apart from the physical recovery of postpart of like delivery and like you mentioned, I didn't want visitors for a few weeks and not that I was really struggling. I just wanted to be by myself, like with the baby and my husband and my mom and just having support people and not visitors. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was like I was so used to focusing on myself and like setting goals for myself and being super busy and like using my mind constantly and like having challenges and then working through those challenges and writing papers and like that was my life and i love living that kind of life yeah so when i had milo it was just like all of that stopped and now it was like mundane fucking boring (laughs) like even though you're exhausted And you feel like touched out and all these other things. I was still so bored. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not how I would choose to spend my days. It's not that I don't love my child. I just would not choose to spend my my days that way. And it's funny because growing up, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, oh, ultimate goal is to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, that would be amazing.
0: Mm. How it changes. Yeah. And Yeah. I I'm, right I feel like, stimulating. yeah, no. And I feel like I relate so much to what you're saying because I felt the same. Like I lived alone in Vancouver, like alone. Like I, I lived by myself for like five years. I traveled every other week. It was all about business goals. It was all about what's the next thing I can create, conquer, you know, decide. Like I was so li- like independent and all of a sudden, I got this relationship, and that was beautiful. I We just melded together, and we were able to design our life that way. But when you're two, and then you have this baby, and then all of a sudden, it becomes like straight-up fucking identity crisis. That's how it felt mm. for me. And it touches me so much what you said about the mundane and boring because I vividly remember in some of those newborn weeks when I could barely sit because my incision was so painful. I I found out it was leaking a week after mm. getting the freaking incision. It was a nightmare to heal from that. But, um, I, I remember it was so painful and I'm looking out the window and I'm nursing and I'm like, is this fucking it? Is this it? Has, has this become it? Is this my life? Because it was almost like a screeching halt to the me, to the life, to the everything I'd cultivated prior to this baby who then I love that you had to say who I love. We're like. It, we, we I know. know you've loved, we know, we I don't know. even, we've never met in person. And I know you love that baby, but it is so <laughs> shitty that you have to say that. Cause there's going to be like, oh, well, there's so, my God, she, she found it boring. She must not love. That I baby. know.
2: I know. And this, this has been my, like, since day one, all of these things are like layered with that. Like, I still love my kid. Like, like I didn't cry when they put him on my chest in the hospital. I didn't cry at all. I was like, Whoa, this is interesting. Like, I guess this is my child that I was carrying. Like here he is (laughs) no tears. So then I was like, is that normal? Mm -hmm. Cause that's not what you see on TV and stuff. Um, that, and then it was like, not, or like being bored, thinking it was boring. And then it was when people would ask if we wanted a second child, I'd be like, um, I don't know. Like we haven't really decided yet. Like we, even though like we decided like, no, I don't want another one. And, but I felt like if I said that people would be like, Oh, like she must not enjoy motherhood. Like she must regret having the child that she has now. And that's not the case at all. Like, it's just, we always feel like we're being judged By like having these just honest feelings because we are, Um, unfortunately, yeah. Oh, yeah. And some people, (laughs) for sure, and some people are like, "Oh my god, me too!" Like, thank you for saying that. You know. Yeah. So yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I I want to touch on how we discovered you a bit more because I think it's a topic that a lot of our listeners can really relate to. And it was one month this summer. um, Jodine sent me an episode of your podcast where you discussed the concept of default parenting Mm. and it really resonated with her as Jodine is basically with baby like 90% of the time like partner is working so hard but not ever with baby basically and it created certain issues like the questions, the bonding, the this and that and her having to lead the forefront on all of it and she'll speak more to it but she sent it to me and I realized I had been feeling all of those things. I just never understood what it was. Um, Even though my partner and I both work from home. So my partner's around baby and me almost like constantly. I think we have the opposite problem. She and I, which is we never get space from each other. Um, And yet, that topic still rang so true to both of us. And we discussed it on a podcast episode and kind of reiterated what you shared. And I mean, my God, it was just like hit after hit. People were totally resonating. Um, So how did you learn about default parenting? How did, did you have feelings like that too? And then all of a sudden this, this concept crossed your path and you're like, holy shit, I am so seen right now. Like, did you get moments like that? A light bulb went
2: off in my brain one day when I was, and I made a TikTok about it, obviously. Obviously. When I was leaving the room and I said to my husband, I'm just going to go pee, okay? I'll be right back. And I was like, wait a minute. Why the fuck did I just say that? Like he never has to say when he's going to leave the room. And so as I do, I just like overthought that whole situation. And I was like, Why does he never have to say that? And it's like, oh, because I am just like the default person that is watching Milo. So this is why on Saturday mornings we would be having coffee and he would just get up, start making breakfast, go downstairs in the basement, start doing laundry. And I was like, I never just like get up and leave. I feel like I have to say where I'm going and give like a timeline of when I'm going to be back. be back so that he knows like how long he's going to be watching over Milo. Now I will say this is something that I put on myself Mm -hmm. and some people in their situations that may not be the case. It may be that their partner is uninvolved, uh, doesn't want to be watching over the child, like whatever. That was not the case for me. Like, I'm the one that did this. And I think a lot of the time I talk about situations like this and people assume it's my husband's fault. Like, he did something and, like, oh, he's an asshole. Right. that's not the case at all. Like, this was, like, a me problem. So I had to... Obviously, we talked about it. And he was like, you could go, like, just get up and leave and have a shower. Like, I'm going to watch him. Like, I'm not you know like not, I'm not also like going
0: to leave <laughs>
1: I know
2: I know and I was like like I felt better after we had this conversation but I still think it's something that a lot of moms put on themselves and like it's hard to break out of it and sometimes like even last night my husband was like go downstairs because I haven't slept all week I like My period's coming. I'm just like fucking irritated. And Milo was being special last night. My husband looks at me and he's like, go downstairs. And I'm like, normally I would never go because (laughs) I also have, I like made up this term called partner guilt. It's not mom guilt. It's like I feel guilty leaving him or. Letting him take over tasks when I am there. If I left the house, I'm fine. Like, I'm distracted. It's fine. But if I'm in the house, like physically in the house, and he is, like, upstairs dealing with a meltdown or, like, having a hard time doing bath time and bedtime, it's hard for me to just stay downstairs, even though he's like, go downstairs. Like, we're fine. I'm like downstairs, like, do, 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 like thinking that I need (laughs) to go up there and intervene. Yeah. And again, this is my problem. So last night I was like, okay, I'm actually going to go. And I went to the fricking basement where there's probably spiders. And I like closed the door so that I couldn't hear anything and like blasted my show on TV and just stayed downstairs. Like we need to also let our partners do more mm-hmm. if, if they're willing, which like they should be. It's like letting go of that and not um, being so concerned with them, not doing things exactly
1: the way that you would do, you know? We have almost said this is exact same thing, like word for word. It's so funny yeah. listening to you say it. Like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we said that. <laughs>
2: like, yeah, this is like universal it things. Like, it
1: is. And yeah. I have to say, like, the default parent thing. When I heard you talk about it, it, was the first thing I'd ever listened to of yours. I don't remember why I found it, I don't um, know. but when I listened to it, I swear to God, my husband was mowing the grass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I swear,
1: because he's like kind of obsessed with the grass. He's the guy that like stands in the window with his foot up on the windowsill, and he's like, "Oh it's my getting god, getting kind of long." We're, we're at <laughs> yeah. that stage now. Um, so I remember listening to it and being like, "Oh my god, this is me." And like Amanda said, I do. 90% solo parenting. I talk about that a lot. I'm always, I am a stay at home mom at this point with a part-time job and we've been doing this, um, podcast. So it's like, it's like two full-time jobs or something. I don't know. It's a lot. Um, and I realize like I am taking all this responsibility. And then when he comes home, I just continue to keep doing everything. Cause it's like, well, I'm just doing it anyways. And then I completely relate to what you said about like the partner guilt because mm-hmm. it's. I feel like I'm suffering watching him suffer, mm-hmm. um and y- you know it's. I don't think it's so much that I I fear him doing something different than me, but I definitely do fear him suffering for some reason. Okay, so let me it for you. I'm so you know. I, mean, I, I have, okay have another theory. Share okay. it. Let's. See we need if to I hear can, it. Like let's <laughs> see if we get this.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. the partner guilt thing because I was thinking like. Why do I experience that? So let's use the example of like my husband's like, you know what? I'm going to give Milo a bath tonight. Like go downstairs, watch your show, like chill. I am downstairs feeling like I should be up there and almost like feeling for my husband having to do bath time and bedtime alone because, because I'm the default parent and I do most of that stuff, for me... I don't want to use the term burden, but I'm going to, because I don't know what else to use. So like, Mm -hmm. don't come at me, but like (laughs) I, doing that task stresses me out or is more of like a burden or like a, I don't know how, like, not that I don't enjoy it, but it's it's more of a big deal for me because I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm putting that like experience of me struggling with a bath time or a bedtime after doing it for four years. I'm putting that onto my husband, whereas for him, he's like, "Oh, like I'm I'm doing bath time today. Like, oh, it's not going so well. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's not a big deal." But for me, I'm projecting my own like. Ooh, like it sounds stressful. Like I'm, you know, getting anxious Mm -hmm. over it. I'm putting that onto my husband and for him, it's not a big deal. So it's like, yeah. And like, I I don't have the proper terminology for it, but that's why I think moms or default parents have those feelings when their partner is taking over and doing something on their own. It's like, we're putting our own stress of that situation onto them.
1: When for them, it's not a big deal. For them, it's one difficult task. But for us, it's so many difficult tasks that have um, been um, compounded um. Yes. over yeah. and over and over again. So mm-hmm. we're
2: like, their patients, like I always talk about like a bucket of patients. Yeah. Their bucket of patients going into that bath mm-hmm. is full. They're like, okay, let's go. Like, I'm cool, yeah. calm, collected. Whereas yeah. like someone else who's been with a little kid all day, their bucket of patience going into bath time is like fucking empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I, I love that we're talking about this. I just had all of this, this entire conversation, all these epiphanies last night. Like it all just happened for me yesterday. I was in like a, a rock and a hard place with my partner because – I've been doing all the overnight feedings, all the early morning wake-ups, setting my clock earlier by five minutes every day for weeks so that we can get uh, bedtime a little bit earlier um, since we arrived here in New Zealand. and all of it has compounded to this place of like, you get to sleep and I don't. And I didn't even realize that was the dialogue that I was having. And so I I was in this place of like real rage. I too am getting my period soon. I was fucking angry about it. And I told Jodine, (laughs) I cannot approach this man right now. I need a walk. So I went out, I went to get a walk during nap time. I threw the monitor. I'm like, you're handling it. I'm out. So I went for my walk, came back to center, let mother earth fucking cleanse me. And then I returned. And I was like, These are the things that I need. I need to be able to have time on my own. I need to be able to do this and then that. And and he goes to me, I would give you all of that if you just spoke to me about it before it bubbled up to this place. He goes, and often I find it challenging if I am doing bath and bedtime because if you're around, you tend to, Oh, do you need a little help? Can I help you? He's like, I have a hard time sometimes because you don't let me do it my way. You are part of it when you're supposed to be resting and taking that time for yourself. You feel guilty when I feel nothing. He's like, I have no problem if he's pulling a tantrum in the bath because we don't affect, it doesn't affect me the same way that it affects you. He goes, I don't know if it's because I care less than you, which doesn't sound right. Cause I love our kid. I just care differently than you. I am more rational, logical. You have the more emotional side and that's what creates our strength as a unit. But when we're separated, you have a hard time detaching from the fact that, you would do it that way. You would feel that way. You would want it done in this kind of order. I'll do it in all of my other ways, but what the challenge is, your you're discomfort with that truth and I need to be able to take the reins without also needing to stress about. oh, Shit, am I picking the right pajama? Because she, would she pick the the buttons or the zipper? Like, yeah. and and it was such a very honest conversation, and I'm so glad that we have that partnership to be able to dis- discuss these things. Um, but I, I relate so much to what you're sharing. It's like I literally project my discomfort with if he's pull if the baby's pulling a shit fit onto my partner when he's not phased at all and it would just affect me in that shitty way but it affects him very differently um so this concept of you know the default parent like you said is very self-imposed in some cases in other cases it isn't and we can't yeah, speak like to-
2: some some partners are assholes mm-hmm. yeah like, yeah, let's, yeah we're yeah, all let's very put that we're very there. fortunate
0: yeah, all of
2: yeah that, exactly. exactly
1: and i can definitely say that me recognizing the default parent we both sent that episode to our partners and they're like Oh. They lit they that both listen to it and we were like, oh, okay. That's so cool. I love cool. that. Yes. They both listen to it. Because us explaining it is difficult. So if you just listen, hey, just can you go just listen to this today? Yeah. Um, that's what I really like about podcasts in general, is you can just find something so specific on a topic and let them listen to it. I cannot say I'm the default parent anymore.
0: Yeah. I have
1: been able to give over the control, and he is such a more confident father. Because I have done that and I realized in the beginning that he was not confident in his abilities because I was telling him he was not good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I have Mm -hmm. only bettered him as a father for our kid because I've managed to let go. And now when I leave the house, I am like, I don't know what the hell's happening at home. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That's like I (laughs) in November.
2: (laughs) In November, I was in LA for 10 days. (gasps) Oh shit. And like my my husband was just that the first time. No, no, no. Oh. Even, like, when Milo was... Your your sense of war. Sorry. Yeah. Like, I've been gone, like, many times, uh, especially because my PhD program was in a different city. So Mm. when I had to go do stuff for school, I would go. But he is, like, I'm going to LA at the end of the month, and he'll be here with Milo. Like, he can do absolutely everything. He knows every single routine, every single like thing he likes, he doesn't like. And people always wonder how we got to that place. And it's because from day one, we have done everything together. Yeah. Like bath time, bedtime routine, meals. Like he makes half the meals. I make half the meals. Like he does bath time half the time. I do it half the time. Like it's it's completely... When my husband is home, it is 50-50 with everything, Mm -hmm. like house stuff, laundry, childcare, like everything, absolutely everything, errands. And I don't know if it's because I honestly think because my husband was in medical school and lived by himself, like away from his parents for so long he had to do all those things. Like he was living on his own. He did all that stuff. And his mom, like growing up, his mom, she's the reason they moved to Canada from South Africa, like was for her career. So for a while, when they first moved to Canada, like she was the one working and his dad was the sole, like the primary caregiver of my husband. So he has seen like different parental roles and, had a very involved father. And so I think that's where it comes from. Like, I don't know. Like, It's very rare
0: for like that age group as well. Like for our parents, because we're, you know... Um- we're all looking at around that same age group to see mom, to see mom yeah. being the one and dad being so hands-on at home. Like that's really powerful. That's the type of shit we need to perpetuate and, and yeah. like retire if you didn't get that. Like that's what all of my internal work has been for sure. Um, I, I definitely, I'm from a big Italian family. So like, it's the opposite for me. Like I, I've definitely seen it differently, but that's why things like this podcast, things like you sharing about these topics have been really helpful because I too could leave and my partner would have everything covered. And, and I remember has. you, yes, and I and I have, and he does, and I, I remember you making a reel once on Instagram where you said that. You were literally in the video saying, if your partner can't handle the whole fucking load without you, the problem is... Is, is within that answer that your, mm-hmm. that your partner cannot do any of it without you like that's yeah. the truth you need to reflect on and why don't you want to like why aren't we looking at that and the questions are, that you ask yourself in private these refle- self-reflective questions are what end up being you know how you touch people like Jodine and I because we wondered the exact same thing and now we have partners who could do the whole thing without us and have done it and give us the ability to be open and speak freely like this um, again you're very fortunate the, you know, our, our foundations were quite rock solid prior to baby, but even the best partners with the most solid connections have, I mean, you're getting an atomic bomb thrown into it the minute you have a baby. So like trying to survive that is not, is no, not for the faint of heart for sure. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening
1: to blame it on mom Brain. If you are loving the show, please consider writing us a review wherever you're listening. It would mean the absolute world to us and we hope by sharing this podcast we can reach more moms and help share our motherhood experience normalize our feelings and make us all feel a little less alone back to the show
0: i think that this leads us to a really good space of wanting to chat really briefly about some of the experiences you have with attachment theory like we know that that's something that you you know you dive into it's right at the top of your radar for how you talk about parenthood and all of that as well we were wondering What you see in terms of attachment to our children and how that's changed over the years, like just being able to have parents or partners take over, how has that impacted mothers, you think, just being able to give them the opportunity to really bond and connect with their baby in a different way and, and, I don't know, give that ability to parents, to mothers to be able to go live their lives in a different way than maybe we were taught or seen in our own family dynamics. So I don't know if you've
2: listened to, I have an episode with Dr. Tanya Kotler. It's episode 144. It's like etched in my brain because it's like the best. Well, I reference it all the time because it is, the whole episode is about attachment. She specializes in like maternal mental health and okay. her specialty is in attachment so i met her at an event in toronto and we were just like talking like she's obviously a psychologist i have a phd in psychology and we found out just through talking that we have the exact same training in attachment which, which is like this very specific like you don't meet people that have this training. Oh shit. So we were like, Oh my God, crazy. So we like became friends and I had her on the podcast because so my training and attachment was for adults. So okay. it's a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. But for the training, I had to obviously start from the beginning and learn all about attachment like in childhood, but that's not really what I specialized in. It was more like adult attachment, so i had her on to talk about the difference between attachment theory which is like the science of attachment versus attachment parenting which i think people get confused and attachment parenting is not backed by science it's just a way of parenting that you know it's great if it works for you if it doesn't it's not going to harm your child like it's no better or worse than other styles of parenting. So she talks about that and then she gets into like sleep training and attachment and it's like such a good episode. Okay. So if people listening want to learn more about attachment and specifically like how to build a secure attachment with your child, because I feel like attachment is thrown out there, but people are like, yeah, but like how? And, you know, they worry that like I've had people message me who have twins and they're like, well, sometimes... I'm feeding one baby and the other baby's crying and I can't go pick them up right away. Like, am I damaging their attachment? And it's like, Oh oh my God. Like (sighs) attachment is built over like thousands of interactions with your child. Yeah. So if you're driving to an appointment and your child's screaming, like wailing in the back and you can't address it in the moment, they're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like people, and this like is for parenting across the board, people like to hang on to like singular interactions or like situations and think that that's going to have a long lasting effect on your relationship with your child. It's not the mom guilt. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. So I think, like, yes, you want to be, like, receptive to your child. Like, there's so many ways to, like, foster a secure attachment with your child. But don't stress about these, like, you know... M- micro hand- moments. Oh, my God. Like, these yeah. handful, uh, handful of moments, you know, that's not what attachment is or how it's built mm-hmm. so yeah I don't think that answered your question but that's my little spiel no no on... it does
0: it does because it gives us uh, episode 144 to reference to our listeners make sure yes. that you check that out
2: it's so good and she's so I'm gonna record with her again in January
0: um and I can't wait because that episode was like oh, a banger so good yeah <laughs> Amazing. Well, I, I just maybe, I guess we could wrap on something that helped me a lot, which is you had some book recommendations that mm. I've eaten up. I love a good PD book. I'm all about um, just learning along the way. I've spent many years doing it for my own self, but now my my being is also a mother. So I've had to learn um, that level of who I am. And you've had some really amazing book recommendations that I've then swiftly passed on to Jodine. I'm like, download this book on Audible, listen to it. Um, would you mind sharing some of your favorites, like your absolute staples, like so that our listeners can not only go check out that episode about um, attachment on your podcast, but maybe have um, a book that they can turn to that you found relatable? Because I know they were, I listened to some of the books you recommended, like Three times. like to have, and to yeah. Yeah, to have and to Hold. Yeah. Oh to Have to Hold was so good. <laughs> she's by, holding yes. it. <laughs> yes, that's, that book. Oh, she my God. She has it and she's holding it. <laughs> yes. Oh, that book was it, man. Yes. Okay. It's so Molly To Milwood,
2: Have and to Hold. Yeah. Molly Millwood. She's yeah. a PhD in psychology. Um, That book was incredible it has like a nice balance of like research you know her experience at becoming a mom and then also her clients experiences so good um the book how not to hate your husband after (laughs) having kids is so good I have an episode with that author Jancy Dunn too you do that's so neat yeah I loved that book um what else Oh, yeah, that's a good. One. The book, Toxic Positivity. It's mm. not necessarily specific to motherhood, but sure. think about it, like toxic positivity, like that you could literally put like motherhood in brackets. Like that's- Like all fits. It's so um relatable to motherhood. And so you can read that and just like think of it in terms of becoming a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, that book was really good. And yeah,
0: I don't know, like- was there anything else that you guys read? I've read um, I ended up kind of going down a rabbit hole and listened to um Raising a Secure Child by mm-hmm. Kent Hoffman, which was really good, and <clears throat> Love Sense by Dr. Sue Johnson, which was really good as well. I love Did I
2: recommend that one? Did you yes. read that? Yes. Me? Yeah, oh, I read okay. that because yeah. it was one
0: of your recommendations. She was amazing. Um, and I found that those books were really just very relevant to where I was. And, and then how not to hate your husband. I was like, and I, I literally remember get like sending my, my partner, the list saying, these are the books that I'm going to be reading. And he goes, how not to hate your husband. And I reply, well, I don't hate you yet. I don't want to get there though. And so that's why I need this book. We the have prevent- to get yeah. on Yeah. Book. yeah prevent- exactly.
2: Did you guys read fair play?
0: No, 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 I haven't read that one yet. By
2: Eve Rodsky. That's really good. Okay. Um, I just on. realized why I don't have my books on my bookshelf. You guys were asking about books, and I'm like looking at my bookshelf, but I got one of those like rubber mats that you put under a roly chair. Oh and so I just unrolled it today. And so I had to stack books on all the corners to keep uh. it down. So all my freaking books are on the ground. Well,
0: <laughs> they're paperweights right now,
1: basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Oh my god. What, what is that? Well, well those not- are great. Hmm? What
1: what is that book about? which one
2: fair play oh so yeah. it's about the division of labor in the home oh. so um it's really good it's That's like good. basically it's not necessarily all about child care and parenting it's like division of labor in the home so how to like divide it equally between partners not equally necessarily in case like one person can't contribute as much but like organizing who is in charge of what and like yeah. what does the task actually look like mm-hmm. like for example my husband does all the laundry all the time but he leaves it in the laundry room folded on top of the dryer and I'm like can you finish the task and <laughs> yeah, like yeah. put it away <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so yeah it's just like stuff like that it's really
1: good amazing <laughs> that's so funny well I my husband I does the like- same but it's like all on my bed it's just like yeah it just sits here he's like, I refuse to put this in your drawers. That's too far. I'm like, Oh,
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, actually my husband, uh, my will be like, why is this, what is, is this for the kid or is it for you? I'm like, just leave me alone. Like he's, he always yeah. like makes fun of, of my gear. Um, I think that that is amazing. We have some book recommendations. We have a podcast episode, um, referenced, um, and we've ta- we've covered so much, you know, this, this has, has been, been a real, so fun. Yeah, this has Thanks, been a real guys. gift. For me. Thank you so much, Jodine. Like, just thank you for putting Renee on my radar because I feel oh. like my God, that one episode just catapulted to so many amazing realizations and and conversations and even what we've been able to touch on here on the podcast to literally having Renee as our guest, everybody. Here in the flesh on the
1: screen. Yeah, virtually. (laughs) That's it. Uh, Renee, do you want to just tell us um, your Instagram? Where can we find you? Where can we consume all your amazing content? Yes.
2: So the podcast is The Mom Room and it's on all Platforms. It's also on YouTube. I started putting oh. uh, the full video episodes on YouTube. Amazing. Um, on Instagram, I am at Renee Rena with the little underscore at the end. And then I also have a podcast account, which is at the Mom Room Podcast. And I'm on TikTok at Renee Rena with the little underscore as well.
1: Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank I you. Hope you. Have a great weekend.
2: Yes, you guys too. I hope I sleep and I'm definitely getting my period. So I'm hoping my mood will like, you know, improve. Oh.
1: Yeah, Oh. <laughs> it will in 10 days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and thank you all for listening to us today. This is Blame It On Mom Brain. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Uh- I swear.